0: Hi, folks. Good to see the folks who are here. There was a big wedding yesterday. I don't know if you heard the news, but now you see the effect. (laughs) A lot of folks who are out late and enjoying themselves, which is great. I was there, spent a little time doing a few things that they asked me to do. And I thought it was a good time, except I. I never, I never learned how to pronounce the groom's name. <laughs> it was tricky Portuguese. They're always creating words. They're like the French. They're just the whole point of French and maybe Portuguese too is to make English speakers look silly. It's that's, that's my theory anyway. <laughs> hey, well, good, good. Yeah, they 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 enjoy making English speakers feel awkward. I think it's part of the French sort of like self-understanding our role in the world is to make English speakers feel incompetent. Anyway, yeah, you know what I'm getting at, right? You got to feel good about something. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. right. Well, you know, it's like, let's figure out a way to spell this so that English speakers will actually take the word, the, the spelling seriously and get it completely wrong. Like, we. Like, how do you get we from O-U-I? <laughs> we. I don't understand this. Anyway. We, <laughs> we. Anyway. Well, let's pray. We'll take a look at what we have to study today. Thank you, Lord, for another beautiful day. Grateful for a beautiful wedding yesterday, and we do pray for a blessing uh, on that union, Steve and Melody, and ask you, Lord uh, as well today to help us uh, celebrate all the good things you've done for us and help us as we endeavor to learn how to live well and please you to to, uh, draw from the uh, Westminster Confession of Faith the help that we need for those things. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so we're, as you know, in Chapter 21 of the Confession. Uh, Your hymnal contains the Confession, if you're wanting to follow along. It begins uh, on page 847, and we're uh, taking a look at Article 2 today, which is not terribly long, but it does contain a clause that I suspect will be of interest, and uh, we may get to Article 5. But here's how the fourth reads, fourth paragraph. Prayer, just to remind you, we're looking at worship and the Sabbath day. Prayer is to be made for things lawful and for all sorts of men living or that shall live hereafter. Isn't that interesting? But not for the dead, not for the dead, nor for those of whom it may be known that they have sinned the sin unto death. So, of those who can be known to have sinned the sin unto death. Anyway, um, praying for things lawful. That's pretty straightforward, right? Um, You know, know, like, pray, Dear Lord, help me to succeed and I cheat on this test. You know, help me to, you know, cheat uh, with impunity and without being caught. You know, that's, Praying for something unlawful, something we you know, you know is contrary to the will of God. Can you think of other maybe prayers that could be prayed that are unlawful? Like feeling. Yep. Yep. We can go through. All, we can go through the list of things. Lying. Yep. Lying. Um, now, those are easy. But I guess I'm, what I'm looking for is any example that we could identify where things might at one you know, at one way look like maybe it's okay, but on further examination, you say, no, that's not okay to pray for. Anything come to mind? Nothing necessarily leaps out to me, but maybe you have something.
1: Um, maybe in the stock market.
0: Ah, okay. So help me understand, uh, if, if I'm praying for the, my stocks to go up, is that wrong? Mm-hmm. If, increase your if you're
1: not, not included in the the uh, scam, it's it, it's right. It's okay. So
0: okay, so you have to be in a scam for yeah, sure. I mean, it's like a Ponzi scheme or something like that. Yeah. You
2: know. Yep. Let's see. Pray for, uh, not to pray for an unlawful overthrow of government.
0: Okay, that's an interesting one too. So then you know, there's the qualification of unlawful overthrow of government. Um, Willis brings up something this week was the anniversary of the attempt on Hitler's life, um, the uh, assassination attempt in 1944. Now, let's think a little bit about that. Uh, was it wrong for the conspirators to pray for success? And I imagine at least one of them did, because one of the conspirators, if I remember correctly, was Bonhoeffer. Any thoughts?
1: He, was he a
0: uh, top general? No, he was a theologian wrote a number of important books, was sent to prison for his uh, part in the conspiracy, and, and died there. Any any thoughts? Yeah, David. I would imagine,
3: depending on your temperament and how you were raised, would determine how you might pray. So you could have somebody who might be more of the Puritan perspective, old Puritan, where God protect our people as you do your work in the leaders. Or you could have a more um, patriotic uh, or a patriot version of it where, Lord, uh, like a Patrick Henry, provide us friends who can help destroy our enemies in the midst of an acute scenario where people who are innocent are suffering.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a good example. You know, I think um, precatory psalms are prayers uh, for God's judgment to fall on the wicked, right?
5: Yeah. Yeah, kind of that thought of Nazism reminds me of the old dilemma of like uh, Anne Frank hiding people. Oh, yeah. 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 Do, you, do you lie? You know, that whole thing. Sure. Is it okay to lie when you're hiding, doing good? Right. Uh, you know, and all the, uh, was it oh, you think about
0: like the, you know, the spies, you know, who were, uh, you know, spying out the land and, And they get some assistance, Um, and the midwives. The midwives is another great example. Uh, Those Hebrew women are just so strong. Babies are there before we arrive, (laughs) right? I saw a hand over here. I was just thinking about Hitler. I mean, if you,
6: if one had found out that there was an assassination attempt, I think it would be perfectly reasonable to say, "Lord, I pray that he actually dies." Yeah. Because you're not, it's, at, it's just the same way God uses other people's sins for good. Yeah. It's some bad guy or somebody may or may not have done something wrong by attempting to murder Hitler, but at that point, I'm going to use that sin, if it was indeed a sin, for good to help bring peace to that region. Yeah,
0: and, you know, we can think about the fact that God uses the Babylonians and the Assyrians, pretty nasty folks to discipline the Israelites. So in God's providence, things are not as sort of clean as maybe we'd like them to be. Any other thoughts? Yeah, Christopher.
7: The proof text that they offer here is uh, from 1 John 5, uh, where it refers to If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Um, So it seems like when they say lawful, they're referring to praying according to the will of God, Mm -hmm. which would leave us with two other categories, perhaps. There's things that we know to be the will of God, things that we know to be against the will of God, and things that we do not know, Mm -hmm. we don't know his will on the matter. So we could pray for those those two categories but not the other yeah
0: Yeah. these are all great thoughts and uh, so Dave and then Dave so David Uh, well what Chris
3: said um, sometimes when I pray I'm actually praying Lord I'm not sure if this is your will but I know that I want this guy dead in that, in that scenario, right? So, But in a more serious tone, like, I don't know about certain things in my life. Like, should I really pray for this? Um, but it is my desire that this should happen. But, you know, let me go to my heart as this progresses and let me see how this works out. Yeah. So I just don't know. Yeah, I think,
0: you know, sometimes we feel our way along trying to make sure that our hearts are in the right place as we do so. David.
5: Well, I just—you were talking about like Propheticary Psalms, and mm-hmm. then I was thinking of David, and then I was thinking of David, what he said right before he killed Goliath. Yeah, and he's speaking to Goliath, and he's also speaking on behalf of God that you're dying today. Yeah, you know, and, you know today would we'll be like, oh, that's a little harsh, David. You tone it down a little bit." You
0: know, it's not very winsome, David. Yeah. <laughs> you know, God loves Goliath too. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, Mark.
8: Just thinking of a story John MacArthur told when I was in college that he went to visit this this pastor who was near death that he had gone to a number of times for advice. And as the man was approaching death, he, he, John asked him, is there, is there anything particularly in your ministry you'd have done differently? And he said, said surprisingly, he said, you know, I would have studied a little more and prayed a little less because I prayed for some things that really were not in the will of God. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it's a, it is an interesting point in terms of if we're supposed to pray in alignment with his will, Yeah, we really do have to study. We can't just... Yeah. Um,
0: let, me, let me give you an example. You know, I've, I've had uh, situations in churches that I've, where I've been uh, in a very sort of confrontational situation with a particular person or whatever. And, you know, how you pray at that moment is kind of a challenge, you know. Maybe God brought this person into my life for good reasons. <laughs> Even though this person is unreasonable or maybe uh, it appears to me as though the person is up to something that's not uh, wholesome and good. Um, but nevertheless, you know, it does kind of get us into this quandary um, Right, here's, here's an example, you know, so um, let's say someone is um, nearing death, is it okay to pray for them to depart our world? You know, that's a, that's a touchy one, right? What, what am I thinking about? I mean, uh, it's an inevitability, short of, you know, the, the uh, parousia, <laughs> you know. Jennifer?
1: Um, I've seen a few people die, I've been there with them when they died. And I've just prayed for God's peace and to take them swiftly and painlessly.
0: So you pray for them to, in effect, die. That's what I'm getting at. I I put it in a much harsher tone just because I'm trying to explore this a little bit. Um, uh, So, David, and then David. Uh, It's
2: it's okay to pray for people to go swiftly, quickly Mm -hmm. if they're believers. But if they're not believers, you're condemning them.
0: Well, there you go. That's true. Um, so again, we can explore this, and we can find ourselves in all sorts of uh, odd places. Let's say you're talking about a person who is just a vicious person. You know, you can pray for their salvation, sure, and you should. But um, you know, how does that play into our prayers at a person's, you know, departure?
1: I I depend on God to get me through that. I tell tell them, because I've had several people die from my my bullet when I was a reserve police officer. And I just say, do you have any last thoughts? This is going to God because I'm a Christian. Oh, so you're there with the person? Yes. So I, who's dying? I, sho- I shot, shot them. Okay. And then I rushed over, and I said, if you had not been stealing something, you would not have been shot. Well,
0: but, you, you know, I think the thing at that point is, you know, you're praying for a person who is dying, yes. and you want them to get right with God. Yes. That's, that's, that's good. That's,
1: the whole the whole thing that I did, I explained to the person, "You're going to die. The bullet wound is taking your blood. You're bleeding out. Before this this can be treated, you're going to die." Do you have any last thoughts? To God? Yeah,
0: yeah, man. I think that's that's a good thing to do if you find yourself in that situation with someone who's dying. Yeah. Yeah. If I
3: had a question about imprecatory prayers. Mm-hmm. Uh, So most of the time I've ever heard that invoked or stated, it was about dealing with heads of state, uh, like historically. But what about, have we ever explored the idea of of a pastor in a congregation praying for a woman whose husband is not only beating her horribly, sexually abusing, I mean, just think of the worst, right? And then you have a state... That's not even intervening, so you're left just nothing. <clears throat> so at that point, I guess, in exploratory, this you pray, Lord, bring this man to salvation or just kill him. Like you're not really wanting him to die. Well, but- there,
0: there are other options too, you know. <laughs> so, so this is like one of my kids. You know, this is one of the great things about when you're working with little kids. You give them like choice. You can either eat your lima beans or stand in the corner. And, you know, the child is like, is there a third option? You know, that's... It's, <laughs> so I guess I'm just raising the prospect there might be a third option, David. <laughs> but, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, there's a passage that Paul's talking to believers, but it's, you know, if there's somebody doing something wrong in the church, then you go to them, and then you take them to the pastor, you take them to the elders, and then you kick them out so that Satan can have their way, his way with them so that they can be safe. So if somebody's wicked... Can you just pray that God just takes them right to the end of themselves as oh, I think, yeah. that so that maybe yeah. they could be sick?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that you know, it's a fair thing to do is to pray for God's disciplining hand. You know, I think that's right. I think it's within the law, lawful sort of use of prayer. Um, because you know the ultimate objective is the person's well-being. It's not just that you want to see them suffer. You know, perhaps suffering is necessary to bring them to that place. And that's maybe what you're saying is just, Lord, do whatever it takes. Not like you've envisioned the very (laughs) thing. (laughs) Lord, you know, cause that person to lose his job. Give that person a disease. (laughs) You're not necessarily praying that way, you know. Uh, But you're just sort of like saying, do whatever it takes. You know, and it may include those things, but you're not the one who's, you know. So here's an interesting thing. You know, I was reading... I'm working my way through, uh, you know, First and Second Kings right now my devotional time, and that's such a depressing thing, you know, when you're reading, you know, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First Second. I mean, it's like the, all of the political intrigue, all the things that are going on, you know. They're like I can't believe this stuff, you know, and there's, uh, you know, uh, the, the conflict between the prophets. Even, you know, you've got different prophets. Uh, and so Ahab, you know, is uh, wanting to have, an, you know, an oracle. He will, he's in, to to give him a sense that he's going to win. I think it's Ben Hadad. that he's maybe up, going up against, you know, it's Syrians, of course. And uh, so, uh, you know, he has all of his favorite prophets come in and just say, "Yeah, this is gonna, this is gonna be it." You know, you're gonna do, you know, you go to war. You're gonna win. All this kind of stuff. And then. King of Judah, who was it? uh, Who has been asked to? to, uh, Is it uh, Jehoshaphat? I think it may be. And so uh, Jehoshaphat's there and says, "Are there any other prophets?" (laughs) And then you know, and says, "Yeah, there's one, but I hate (laughs) him. He's always saying bad things. He's always saying that that bad things are going to happen to me." And and, you know, he said, "Well, bring him in." (laughs) And he brings him in, and His prophecy initially sounds good, but actually kind of hints at some things that are not so good. And then he says, you know, that you know, the word of the Lord is that in the the Lord's court, um, there uh, was a judgment rendered to discipline Ahab. And the question is, is how how would Ahab be incited into you know a, a a conflict with a war with The Syrian king, and there is a a spirit who presents himself before the Lord, and and it's referred to as a lying spirit. Isn't that interesting? So a lying spirit will enter into the prophet (laughs) and give a false prophecy, and then you know this is—I can't remember the name. It begins with an M. The name of the prophet. That's it. And so then you've got this just really odd sort of set of circumstances. So. Uh, I guess what I'm getting at is that you know, in the world that we live in, there are a lot of messy things you know, that, that uh, occur. And as we pray, um, you know, it's important to have our, our minds and our hearts in the right place. But uh, we're going to see a lot of things that are you know, messy in, in the way things work out. Anyway, uh, so
2: I have a question. Uh, yeah. where the the divines who wrote this uh, made that statement uh, about uh, made for lawful things and all certainly, but not for unlawful things. So, what did they have in mind? Unlawful things, or or, or here, I'm sorry, praying uh, made for things that are lawful. Well, I think not Well, of course, I get it. They're not for the dead, and all that. I'm, I actually, I was following a different train of thought with reference to not praying for uh, unlawful things. Yeah. And so,
0: but I mean, I I think the things that when we think of th- things that are lawful, every prohibition has a you know positive sort of sort of converse side. Uh, so, like when we say, "Don't steal" or "Don't covet," you know. Um, what, what you can do sort of uh, in the sort of converse with both those matters is actually uh, rejoice when your neighbor prospers. That's probably the hardest thing to do. Have you ever really given it any thought? When somebody else has something good happen and maybe you're not experiencing the kinds of things that you'd like to enjoy and you see somebody else... Uh, Blessed. That's a that's a that's a difficult place to rejoice when others rejoice. I think a lot of us are, find it easier to sympathize with people who are going through hard times um, than we, uh, you know, than the the reverse. You know, it's 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 odd, but it's the case. Um,
1: Reverend Wiley, what if the person? That stealing from you looks at you and laughs.
0: Wow. Well, if somebody does that, I think um, you know you should first of all pray for that person to see and recognize the sin that, that's being committed. But you should also go to the authorities and say, hey, this person is stealing.
1: I, I told David everything, and he said, I, I don't believe you. This, this was the first month I was there. Well, in that
0: case, then you go to the Lord and you ask for the Lord to to, to take up your cause and give you... I've already done that. Well, then you just keep praying. Okay. (laughs) Remember the persistent widow? Oh, yes. Well, be that. Be persistent in prayer. Thank you. Other thoughts? Yeah, Victor. So
9: here's one of your imprecatory psalms big word user guy over there. <laughs> and this is not that severe. It's it gets worse in some of the Psalms. Yeah, for, sure. For the PG audience, I'm going to refrain from reading those ones. But this one says here, and I think this is a good general application. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned back. Mm-hmm. And it goes on. Yeah, kind of yeah. more descriptive. But, um, so how would just... we pray for Jezebel? Yeah. How would we pray for Hitler? Right. Yeah, we just
0: looked at, you know, the fact that, or I brought up the fact that this is the week that the attempt on Hitler's life was made back in 1944.
9: Maybe somebody was praying for him to be killed. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I I, I suspect Bonhoeffer was. (laughs) He was involved in the conspiracy. Anyway.
1: Reverend Wiley. Did you receive a film version of this, what you're talking about right now? Yeah. I saw it too.
0: Yeah, good movie, I think. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but yep.
2: David? Yeah, so um, I pray for my country to be not like the slowly boiled frog, where the heat goes way up. (laughs) Not yet, Canada. The 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 heat gets turned up so high that people realize that they're being boiled to death, and that they realize how bad it is. So I pray that Canada gets so bad that they realize they have no hope, and that the the Christians rise up and tell them the hope well i
0: that's an that's a great example of you know the challenge of this particular um, matter um praying for things lawful um, pre- precatory psalms this particular prayer i think i think they're legitimate things obviously scripture is legitimate <laughs> uh but i I guess the only thing I'm trying to explore here is that we can think that we've addressed this matter without having thought about it much and where we might find ourselves in a difficult quandary at some point. Well, uh, let's move on to the next clause here. Yeah. Uh,
4: going back to Mr. Max's point, the imprecatory uh, psalms, they actually, like, one of them, at least, if I recall correctly, Prays for the death of the innocence
9: of your enemies. Yeah, it's, it's pretty graphic. The rocks. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to keep from that one. <laughs> sure. He
0: was he was censoring himself.
9: <laughs> um, Let their children be dashed against the stone. Right.
4: Gosh. So I'm remembering that correctly. Um, I, I couldn't. I've been looking through the Psalms and couldn't find it, but. Do do not, <laughs> so do we call that lawful, or is it like, is, it seems like the psalms is making room for our irrationality. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, C.S. Lewis,
0: in his treatment of the psalms, uh, said no, it's not uh, a, good, a good prayer. In other words, he was not on board with imprecatory psalms. Uh, I think that there are ways in which maybe we fail to appreciate the sort of the, I guess, the stakes that were, you know, present when the prayers were prayed. It's difficult for us to appreciate the kind of the challenges of total war. Uh, So let's just think a little bit about ancient warfare. Um, Ancient warfare was a a whole different animal than I think we uh, have an appreciation for. Um, So let me give you a a thought here on on just how different it was. So uh, Israel, when the Assyrians conquered her, uh, just said, okay, nobody's going to be Allowed to live here in this area anymore. We're taking you up north, and you're all going to be enslaved. Either you die or you, you, you're slaves. That's it. And that was the norm everywhere, you know, in when it came to ancient warfare. So that that's the setting of the psalm. <laughs> so if we think in the sort of antiseptic, contemporary frame with regard to this matter. I think we've, we we don't have an appreciation for the stakes. That's what I was getting at with the stakes. And, and one of the reasons for the kind of the genocidal character of ancient warfare was um, people um, don't stay down and they can come back and get you. Um, that's another dimension to this. And so is this okay? No, I'm not saying this is okay. But I, I think that if we fail to appreciate that, then I, I think we, we don't have a, a proper frame of mind in order to understand what the psalm is dealing with.
5: Yeah. I, I, you know, uh, mirroring what you just said to what Alexander the Great did, he, he was brutal, but he said, hey, you know, just everybody's just going to be Greek now, you know, Hellenization. So yeah. he, he had like a different... Style that was probably more effective than just wiping everybody out. He was getting them all to accommodate mm-hmm. to his culture. So it's just interesting to see how the ancient right. strategies changed because, in, in, in context, yeah, that's how they fought and it was brutal. I mean, they, you know, we don't have to go into details, but okay. I think one time you mentioned it was either Syrians or Babylonians that they were like, you were reading the history of that and how brutal they were to their own yeah. people. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. That, yeah the base reliefs uh, were intended to send a message to everybody, you know, if you mess with us, this is what happens. Brittany?
6: Yeah, since the Psalms have a lot of metaphor, is it possible that in application to us, when you dash your children against rocks, it could be metaphorically my sins that are starting to reveal themselves? Hmm. I want to kill them when I start seeing them coming outside of me. Yeah, I think that when we
0: think typologically, that's another way to talk about this, um, that's a a mode of interpretation that's often very good, you know, because when we think about, you know, let's say, for example, when the Apostle Paul makes an argument about not muzzling your ox while it's treading out the grain. Do you remember what he does with that? He
9: says we should should be able to be paid. Yeah.
0: So he's talking about, okay, here's this, if we just limited it to a literal understanding, okay, if you're going to, Use oxen. Make sure they can eat. <laughs> uh, he takes it and says, "There's actually a broader application." And he's speaking authoritatively as an apostle. This applies to. You no, know, he's like, "Do you you think that's all it applies to?" He's, is what he's saying. It's, it's, this applies to to everything? So, you know, I think it's fair to do. Now we can go too far with that, you know. And I think that's one of the things we're afraid of, going too far with with that kind of a thing when it comes to scripture and applying you know something here to this over here.
9: Yeah. You know, on that note, Augustus probably may have used that form of hermeneutic, you know, allegorical if you will.
4: Yeah. yeah.
9: This is, um, most of the imprecatory psalms were psalms of ascent. Yeah. It was after the Babylonian captivity. And a lot of what they were praying is what happened to them. So when they say let their children be dashed upon a stone. That happened to them. That's what oh, happened.
3: yeah, it happened to them. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, okay,
9: now it's their turn. Um, and I think that's what
0: I was trying to get It's a contextual get at. thing. It yeah. is a
9: contextual
0: thing. Right. Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to get at. So like, when you think about the punishment uh, you know, with regard to, let me put it this way, the, the, the last plague that breaks the will of Pharaoh, right? The death of the firstborn. It wasn't just to break his will; it was also justice for the death, the deaths of the Hebrew boys, and that that's, that connection is made. So justice is part of this. You know what you've done is going to be done to you. That kind of thing. Okay. So this. Yep. Yeah. Naomi. I don't know if you're going
6: to move on to five. Yeah,
0: uh, I will. But I, I, wanted to just address these last two clauses. I just wanted to. I, I have question
1: about that. So, not uh, for the dead.
0: Has anyone ever seen anybody or or heard anybody pray for the dead?
5: Well, growing up Catholic. Sure. Yeah, you're, you're trying to get them out of purgatory, mm-hmm. you know. And um, but it's interesting that he talks about not just for the dead, but even for those. I mean, if you wanted to paraphrase. Those of you're pretty certain didn't go to heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, you shouldn't be praying because uh, you, you'd get people praying for people who weren't so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Trying to get them some brownie points yeah. so they can, you know, at least get to purgatory or yeah. out of limbo. No, limbo is where you go and you, you don't get baptized. You know, there is a limbo in, in the Catholic faith too. Yeah, right. So
0: there's like four places. Yeah, uh, last place you can end up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess the thing, so let's say you're. In doubt. Let's say you had witnessed to somebody, you had no reasonable uh, evidence that that person came to saving faith in life. Uh, Is it illegitimate to say, as you're praying, maybe even a retroactive prayer? You know, Lord, I pray that, you know, as that person was. You know in the final stages of life you know maybe in communicate you can't communicate because of um, being unconscious or something like that I pray that that person at that moment uh, reached out to you and be merciful you know is that is it would that be I guess that what I'm getting at is you know when we just don't know and yeah Steve
10: not sure about
2: that Yeah, but uh, I I think too the divines were responding to, and I'm not sure if David addressed that because I could not hear. But uh, the idea of people going to purgatory. Yeah, this is definitely.
0: Yeah, and
2: so they're dead, and I think this is what they're addressing. Yeah, and I think
0: with that in mind, uh, it's just straightforward. And yeah, we don't do that. I guess what I'm getting at is again these quandary matters where we're dealing with people who are. Well, yeah, or, or, but maybe we just don't know, you know, what maybe the last moments of their lives consisted of.
1: Um, why don't we... Are, are you talking about someone
0: here? No, not anyone, not anyone in particular. Oh, okay. Just hypothetically. Okay. So, you know, I've been, I've been involved in a number of... Uh, I guess you could say... Um, prayer watches as people are dying. You know, I've conducted probably roughly 80 funerals over the years. Well, somebody has to. That's a lot. Yeah, in one church I buried 50, so I use that as my baseline. I said, I've done at least 50. (laughs) I was on Cape Cod. Uh, People go to the Cape to die. It's literally the case. You know, you've got a lot of money. You want to spend your final days in a really nice place. Cape Cod is one of those places that you can go. And so I served a church there right over the course of literally it was just like eight years, buried 50 people. Anyway, that's a, another thought. Yeah. Back to
10: when you were asking about if you share the gospel with someone and then you're not sure. Yeah. So I think if you don't really see a response, I think you can... You know, it would be good to keep praying for them, but if they have this really negative response and go on doing like these gruesome sins and keep on getting worse, I think at that point you would have an idea that, hey, this person may not yeah. be uh, the Holy Spirit may not be working in their life because they're getting worse.
0: Yeah, and I think it actually gets us into the next clause there, which is not for those of whom it may be known that they have sinned a sin unto death. Now this is referring to a a verse in uh, 1 John chapter 5. Um, It's verse 16. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that uh, sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he should pray for it. So this is one of those challenging passages where you're like, what in the world's going on here? What's he talking about? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's as though the people who heard the letter read to them would have known what he was talking about. But we maybe don't have some information. But do you have any thoughts on what he's, what he's talking about? Is it this or is it maybe something else? Does it relate maybe to Hebrews 6? And apostasy, perhaps?
1: What does apostasy mean?
0: Well, to apostasize is to uh, stop believing and to even renounce the faith. Oh, oh so that's very, very serious.
3: Yeah, very yeah, serious. Sure. Sure. I've never heard anybody really give a good indication of what really is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit when Christ says, all sins are forgiven except that which is against the Holy Spirit. And I thought, well, I've heard people guess what it might be, but I haven't heard anybody really search and find people that kind of knew it was historically or anything like that. So do you have any ideas?
0: Well, I think, again, we're in this area where maybe maybe this is what ties together. So sin against the Holy Spirit, of course, is a sin... Of rejecting the work of the Spirit in your life. Now, we all have resisted the work of the Spirit in our lives at some point, where maybe we just didn't want whatever the Spirit is telling us we should, you know, want or do. But properly understood, um, you know, the Spirit is the means by which salvation is being worked out in our lives. So we're actually resisting our own salvation. So to reject the Spirit, to sin against the Spirit. I think is referring to uh just completely denying uh, the work of the spirit throughout your life and turning away from God's work in your life that's uh, now if we wanted to link it specifically with a verbal denunciation of the spirit kind of as a, a, a you know blasphemy in that in that sense, I don't have any reason to think that those two things aren't Compatible.
3: With when, 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 what you said, uh, it kind of makes me think that somehow, if one could blaspheme the way you sort of describe the best way you could, that somehow you had an ability to control the the, your, the way you would go in this conduit to reach salvation. It's almost like you have some form. In so, in so, so the way you describe it almost is a little bit. Uh, converse to what some people have described as uh, that love that you can't uh, unre- irresistible irresistible grace, grace.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: so that's kind of interesting so I kind of wondered if maybe this blasphemy is actually something overt, that's what I always might have thought about. well I
0: think resisting the spirit, un, you know, you could say resisting unto death, you know, would be overt, yeah but, yeah, Christopher. Yeah,
7: on that point, Mark 3 is one of the places where the blasphemy of the, against the Holy Spirit is referred to. And specifically there, they were saying of Christ that he was possessed by yeah. Beelzebul yeah. and that he casts out the demons by the ruler of yeah. demons. And it's in that context that he says, truly I say to you, all sins shall be forgiven, the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they un- they utter but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. So I think we could understand that to be that attributing the works of God to Satan mm-hmm. yeah, is I think that that's kind of, of yeah. overt. Yeah, I think that's a great Very good point. Yeah,
8: Mark. 1 Corinthians 11 gives us another example. I think of it in terms of Uh, That is the oppression that the leaders or those who are in power in the church and not feeding them the sacrament. Mm -hmm. He actually makes the statement that this is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Because you are actually persecuting or oppressing your own brothers and in that way denying what Christ has done Mm -hmm. in in discerning his body and then discerning the body that he has left behind of believers. And I think of this in the same sense as Judas um, betraying Christ. That was obviously a different sin than Peter's. Mm -hmm. And he died. He sinned a sin unto death. I think this is is similar. So I propose that it it has a lot to do with... um, I'm, maybe not in every case but in many cases of how we actually approach the church of Christ and our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. here in this life mm-hmm. yeah I think that's reasonable
4: yeah a
9: sir. word of caution Yeah. for the person that I'm preaching to and they're not accepting Christ it's different than Hitler and von Bonhoeffer's right about that. Um different than Jezebel. Maybe even different than this attitude of I hate the church, Marcus, inferring or applying. Because we don't know, we really don't know what God is doing with the heart of, of person. You know, there's a text in mean, Romans that says that God has given him over to yeah. sin. But I don't think Paul's saying the word reprobate is is the word we're talking about. Is he reprobate? And what do you mean by reprobate? Yeah. Does reprobate mean beyond God? <clears throat> God's done with him, you know? Or does that mean he's just apostate or in rebellion? And so I really would say a lot of caution to those people that we're talking to, you know, here and there. I think very be very careful not to to determine their destiny. <coughs> yeah, I think that... that God, God isn't through with me yet. I have a lot of people praying for me and my teens. And a lot of people would say, he's beyond hope. Uh, But not these people who pray for me. Yeah, I
0: I think persevering in prayer for the lost is a really excellent thing. Um, And I think most of us can look back at some point in our lives when we were um, pretty hard-headed when it came to, and hard-hearted, when it came to God's work in our lives, and, and we were resisting strongly. Yeah, Brittany. Uh, for the passage of casting pearls before swine, oh, yeah. does that only
6: really apply to verbal preaching to them, or is, could it also be praying for them? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think it has to do with more of the first, uh, witnessing to them. Uh, at the same time... Um, there has to be a first attempt maybe uh, to determine that they're swine or not. (laughs) If you you get my my drift. Um, I think what the Lord is encouraging us or warning us about is maybe bringing... um, Well, there's the, you know, my wasting my time, for one thing. Um, And then there is... um, Do I, in some sense, subject... The gospel to some kind of public um, ridicule, you know, by continuing to do this? And is that, a, is that helpful? Um, just things to think about. You know, for example, I remember when I was a young Christian, I was very enthusiastic for witnessing and evangelizing. And I would get like fixated on a person, right? They were my target. And I was so wrapped up in sort of pursuing that person. That I was more or less blind to all the other people and opportunities that were like around me, you know. You know, it, 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 it could be this kind of funny. I mean, I, you know, don't bother me. asking me about the gospel. I'm busy trying to save this person over here. <laughs> you know, uh, get out of my, get out of my, uh, out of my head. You know, I, I want to focus on that.
5: Yeah. You mentioned Hebrews 6 and it made me think, because that, that, that deals with apostasy. Yeah. you know, um, And I can't think, and I've been on this earth for over half a century, all we hear about are people who didn't have faith, who come to faith,
0: mm-hmm.
5: or those who profess faith and then renounce their faith. Mm-hmm. But we've never heard a guy who had faith, renounced his faith, and then came back. I mean, I can't think of anybody... It's interesting because then if you read Hebrews six, yeah. which you got me looking at it, yeah. he says, For it is impossible. He didn't say there's a fat chance, there's you know one in a million.
1: Knows, you
9: know,
5: For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have shared and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away. Apostatize to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding them up into contempt. And I think we have to be careful to to not fall on the other side of the horse and go, well, he's apostatized. Hey, guess what? He'll come back. I mean, what he's saying, this is serious stuff.
0: I guess my only question would be is it possible for somebody to verbally apostatize without really sort of
1: Following through, or, meaning. or even meaning
0: it, yeah, no conviction. Yeah, I'm just raising a question there. Yeah, Naomi. Anyway.
6: Well, my my thoughts went to I've heard Christians say before. I was really mad at God. Yeah. And yet now they're giving an example of His grace. Um, but the other thing I think is, how would we have known? Why would Paul have not, in our thoughts, fallen into this?
0: Oh, because of his own persecution of the church, yes. maybe. Yes.
6: Yeah. I, I guess I'm still, I still have questions as to what it means to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, right.
1: Yeah. Yes, I, uh, well, from what Dave said, what about the people that are excommunicated from the church and then excommunicated Return. so Satan will have their way with them and bring them back to the church? Okay. And that does happen. We've yeah. seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. And so. Like, I'm not going to give up hope on anybody who I think, you right. know, has turned their
0: back on the Lord that they're not going to come back. Yeah, maybe, maybe there are two ways to approach this. One is to sort of like, okay, this is the information. Then there's the question of where does this person stand? We don't know because we just don't have enough information to know. Yeah, Amber.
1: Well, like looking
10: at Jesus as an example, when he's during the crucifixion, like he says himself, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So like Jesus still had like grace and compassion and was asking his father to forgive these people who are crucifying him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Amazing stuff. I, I, the, the value of, of this conversation is that we live in a messy world. <laughs> a lot of things we don't know. There are things in Scripture that are clear. There are things in the Confession that are clear. But we're not entirely clear of where people fit at a particular time. Yeah.
9: To go back to the, to the statement not for the dead, As the text, the divine put in 2 Samuel 12, which is a real blessing to me because it's where David is praying for his son while he is alive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's an amazing episode. I just read it not too long ago, as you know.
9: (laughs) That that was important for me to watch Sylvia's life and death. But also for those... Everybody who dies, it's like... There's no more... There's nothing my prayers can do for that person. That's what David did. He got
0: up, rose, leaving. Oh, yes, yeah, with the episode with uh, Uriah and Bathsheba. I was thinking more about Absalom. Yeah.
9: Yeah, well, I was thinking about his son, who would yeah, get the, the son of fornication, uh, really. But, I mean, the son, he still prayed. He never quit yeah. prayed. Yeah, even though
0: he had hear, heard the, the prophet, you know. It, I, I guess the thing about, so I, I'd like to think a little bit about Absalom, you know. Uh, so here's a kid who like marshals an army to defeat his own father <laughs> you know they were talking about betrayal and like with a capital B here his covenant child but at the same time you know he's remember when he gets the news that Absalom's dead he goes into mourning and it Joab has to kind of slap him in the face a couple of times hey there are a lot of people who just like almost lost their lives to keep you in you know in charge uh, and you're just not even a paying attention to them (laughs) you know so sometimes we can get so focused on something that we're praying for and hoping for maybe our own emotional state that we lose sight of a lot of other things I guess that's what I'm getting at
3: I think the most difficult prayer for any parent would be to let one of your children who you might seem as totally lost actually go Life
0: go forever. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to make light of David's. Uh, no, no I, I'm
3: just. I just brought something to my
0: mind. Sure. It's, it's, but it's a challenge. It's a challenge for us as we're praying for things and dealing with the messiness of the world. Yeah. Well, do you still
1: hold out hope for your kids that professed faith in the Lord and in the church that walked away and completely became woke? And do we do we keep praying for them and hope that one day that they repent and come back, or is it is it a done deal and they're?
0: Well, I think you keep praying. I think you keep praying. I think that's one of the things you know we don't know. We don't know. So, yep.
10: Um, also, to tie in to knowing whether or not someone is too far gone, the verses on apost- apostasy and blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I think Jesus also offers. Um, a promise that he says, all the Father gives to me will come to me. Whoever mm-hmm. comes to me, I will cast out. So yeah. even the promises of apostasy and blasphemy, those are true, but also the promise that if you come to Jesus, like he's he's not going to cast you out. So I think if you look at that verse and you truly believe in it, or you can have hope for your kids, mm-hmm. you know, that they can still come to Jesus. So. Yeah, I think
0: I think we need to Exercise wisdom in all these matters. You know, there's this famous set of uh, proverbs that are laid right next to each other. And I think it's the 25th chapter. Where, you know, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he believe that, you know, I can't remember how that, basically lest he thinks, you know, uh, you leave him thinking he's, he knows what he you de- know, when he doesn't know. And then uh, don't answer a fool according to his folly. <laughs> They're right next to each other. So how do you know which applies? I think it's, it's not really uh, an easy cookie cutter thing. You know? And so we're talking about a range of things here that we're going to go through the course of our lives not having some questions answered, uh, not being able to know entirely what's the right approach. But we can pray for wisdom to know how to pray right, uh, and do the best we can with all of this ambiguity. You know, which fool is this—the one I should correct or not? (laughs) You know, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah, Mark.
8: I think maybe what we're—I'm going to propose what we've talked about is difference between descriptive and prescriptive. Yeah. The God has instructed, hes instructing us. He's warning us not to to lie. Basically, um, what's the word as he puts it? to his face, um, you know, to God's face, we're going to deny Him to His face, and we can do that personally. That warning is there, mm-hmm. not to do so. We can't read anybody's heart. Mm-hmm. We we can only take action on what they're doing and what they're saying Mm -hmm. and even the church in giving discipline of excommunication is doing so for restorative reason of handing them over to Satan that they could be returned that's how far they've gone at that point that's the only real application that we're given to do but we're we're never to determine I, I don't believe we're ever to determine in this life as though we're God and we know whether or not I should stop praying for somebody because yeah. we don't know. Yeah, you know, I think that's
0: probably the the, the best approach just uh, since we don't know to keep praying. Right? So, I've got a bunch of hands and we're getting near the end here. So, Jiho. Uh,
4: this is a probably a bigger question, but the, the shooter in Nashville, mm. she sinned um. Somebody held a funeral for her, right? Like, how does one conduct a funeral like that? That would be a tough one. And, I guess uh, uh, the other questions: Do we have a liturgy for funerals that's kind of set? Like, yeah, I imagine like the weddings are often done out of the. Uh, we the actually, actually
0: do have a liturgy for. Uh, people, uh, when it comes to funerals, that we uh, doubt are uh, in glory. <laughs> we, we we actually do have that. Yeah. George Grant gave an example of
8: being asked by a family of a young man who had com- committed suicide that were unbelievers to do his funeral, and he said, George Grant said, I started that funeral with. like the young man's name say was Chad what is Chad telling us today Hmm. about his life Hmm. and then he described the hopelessness of being without God in the world and then gave the gospel and this is a warning to all of you God put me here in his providence today to give you the gospel
0: yeah Yeah, I've, I've conducted funerals similar to that although not a suicide But it was like nobody in the room had any doubts about that person's hardness of heart. Well, he said, he said,
8: (laughs) what he said is he barely slept for like three days before (laughs) it. This is strange. I have not been in this spot before.
0: Yeah. (laughs) uh, At my last church, we had a situation where a kid who had grown up in the church committed suicide. And, you know, conducting that funeral was like a huge challenge.
2: Yeah, um, and the part here is about praying for the dead, or should we pray for the dead? I, I think we actually petition God, like, in the last moments, we pray, Lord, that they, they chose you. Because if you've ever had some catastrophic accident, you know that that, that three seconds before you die... Usually lasts a great longer time for that person. Is
0: this
9: personal
2: experience? person? It lasts forever. You know how long it takes. Every foot is like two minutes. And so you know what's going on. So at that last, like there's no atheist in a foxhole.
0: <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I, I hope that, you know, that's the case for everybody who's at that point. And I've been with people at that point and prayed. And, you know, when a person is comatose, I assume they can hear me. And I speak to them, read scripture to them, pray for them, you know, call them to confess their sins, you know, all those things.
2: But can we pray that the Lord, like, Lord, did, we pray that you did save them in the end.
0: Not, I, I, think, I think we can pray that. I've, yeah. I, well, that's what I was trying to get at a little earlier. You know, I think we can pray that prayer. Um, because we're praying with the with the sort of the realization that the story's over now. It's not as though we're trying to pull a person out of purgatory.
5: Yeah, I just wanted to say in this parenting book study, it talks about children that backslide, and so on and so forth. And he says something very interesting that ties into this. He goes, "While there is life, there is hope." Yeah, yeah. And we always have to keep that in mind. While there's life, there is hope.
0: Yeah. So. And I have seen, you know, people who. Uh, grew up in the church, and then um, lived profligate lives and came back. I've seen that happen lots. Anyway, we've got to that time where we should wrap things up. We didn't get to number five, uh, Naomi, but next week we will. (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this good discussion. Uh, There are many questions that have been asked that we couldn't confidently answer. Nevertheless, we pray for your wisdom as we uh, think about people that we care about and and we we want the best for. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us to be wise in how we relate to them and to be persistent in prayer, as we should, Uh, and then know, uh, because of your help, when maybe we should take a different approach. We just trust you to give us this help in Christ's name. Amen.